that prioritizes his will above your own. We're going to talk about discipleship this morning, and it's a delicate topic because it has been debated by theologians for years, for years. Is a believer automatically a disciple? All of us would say easily, yes, John, that's absolutely true. But then the Bible seems to indicate that maybe there's a two-step process. Is there or isn't there? When you share the gospel, hopefully that is something that you are still apt to do. When you share the gospel, let me ask you an honest question. Do you go to the grace passages? Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 2, John chapter 3. Do you go to those passages or you go to the Jesus discipleship passages? When I was a new believer, it's been over 40 years now that I came to the Lord at the age of 16, I was half scared out of my wits after I became a believer and I read the discipleship passages that Jesus spoke of in the Gospels. Are you familiar with the rich young ruler? Yeah. I think we're all familiar with the rich young ruler. Just let me read that for you this morning. I'm going to read from Matthew 19 if you want to read with me or just listen. Just listen to the words. This is about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. And someone came to him, being Jesus, and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept, what am I lacking? Then Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, Go and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for making us believers. And I thank you for calling us to be your disciples. Each of us is called. Lord, we ask that you be with us today as we study your word, and I ask that it pricks our hearts and opens our eyes and moves our soul to draw closer to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So this debate has been raging in theology circles for years. Is a believer automatically a disciple? And I think a lot of you already have your minds made up, as do I. But it is a challenge. It is a challenging thing. But my question for you at the beginning and at the end is going to be, are you a disciple? So you know what you're going to be asked at the end. Are you a disciple? A disciple is a man or a woman who is a new creation in Christ that no longer lives for self, but who has, number one, believed on Christ for the forgiveness of sins and lives to learn, follow, and imitate Christ in all areas of life. Is that you, church? Is that me? Are we disciples? So, 
started to read those discipleship passages when I was a new believer, you know, right away I thought, wow, well, a disciple must be someone who gives away everything they own and sets out on a path to follow Jesus. He can't own anything. He can't have nice cars. He can't have a nice house. He must give it all up, throw it all away, and say, Jesus, everything for you. That was only partially true, though. How would you feel about that? If Jesus walked in here today and asked you to give up everything that you own, and that's the only way you could be a disciple. disciple. But I want to tell you, there are many different types of disciples in the Bible. Now, this rich young ruler came to Jesus, and his question was, how do I receive eternal life? Now, Jesus pointed out to him that you have followed, you say, your young ruler, all the commandments, so you think you're good enough to achieve heaven. But Jesus said to the rich young ruler, there is one of the 600 some odd commandments you haven't followed, and it's the most important one. What's that one, church? You must love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus pointed out to this rich young ruler that though he wasn't an adulteress, though he wasn't a liar, though he wasn't a murderer, there was one commandment that was holding him up from inheriting eternal life, and that was putting his trust and love in wealth instead of God. And Jesus wanted the rich young ruler to be aware of that. So as disciples, what are we called to do? What are we called to give up? Is a believer automatically a disciple? Well, let's read some of these things here. And some of these things may be convicting to you. Yeah. All right, stay in the center, don't move to the dead zone. I don't think it's the tape, I think it's the uh, mic. All right, so I will try to stay here as best I can. I'll do this. All right, so some of these things may be convicting. They were convicting for me. I want you to think, are you a disciple or are you a mere believer? Look here. A believer looks to the cross. A disciple picks up his cross every day, his or her cross every day. A believer obeys God if it's convenient. A disciple obeys no matter the outcome. A believer decides once. A disciple decides daily. Now, let me clarify that. A believer decides once for salvation. We don't get salvation daily. But a disciple decides about Jesus on a daily basis, that I will follow him. A believer decides once. A believer focuses on eternal life. A disciple focuses on eternal rewards. Nothing wrong with that. We will receive crowns for the service we provide our king. A believer prays when things get tough. A disciple prays no matter the circumstances. A believer twists the Bible to fit his or her lifestyle. A disciple works to make his or her lifestyle resemble the teachings of the Bible. Church, is there a difference between a believer and a disciple? I'm going to let you answer that question for yourself. There are caveats to all of these things. It is true, every believer must bear fruit to be a true believer. Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. You must bear fruit, but for how long? 
How long must you bear fruit? How much fruit must you bear? I don't have the answer to that question, but I know that a lot of believers who were once on fire for the Lord, who once picked up their cross daily, are now resting on their laurels because they think they're bound for heaven and nothing else matters than that. They don't have to follow Jesus every day. They don't have to prioritize his will over their own because they are bound for glory. They made that decision, and that was an excellent decision you made to let Jesus wash you in his blood. But maybe discipleship is a choice. But what kind of disciples were there? What do we have to do? There were different types of disciples. What do I mean by that? Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee and their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Folks, we cannot be called to be those types of disciples anymore. Why? Why, church? Because Jesus Christ is not walking among us, looking at us on our fishing boats and saying, follow me, is he? That was a particular time, a particular period, where these people, both men and women, could leave their livelihoods, because you know the women supported the ministry of Jesus, the men left their livelihood, and they could follow Jesus. Specifically, and when Jesus talked to the rich young ruler, he, that rich young ruler, could have physically followed Jesus Christ. So how does that translate to us today? If Jesus is calling us to be his disciple and he is not walking the streets of Dover, Delaware, what does that mean for us? Do we follow him differently? Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others. Elsewhere, they're called 70 disciples that he sends out. He sent them in pairs ahead of him in every city, a place where he himself was going to come. So Jesus had the 12, and they followed him closely. He slept with them. He ate with them. And here we have the 70. Now they didn't follow Jesus and sleep with him and camp with him exactly as the 12 did, but he used these 70 disciples and he said, your purpose in my ministry will be to go ahead of me before I get to these cities and prepare the way. So we had the 12 and several others who followed Jesus very closely. And here we see the 70 who are also disciples, followers of Jesus, but in a different way for a different purpose. Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who believed, <coughs> who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come to him and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing the gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Why do I bring up Cornelius? Cornelius was used to call Peter and bring Peter back. Cornelius was a soldier, a Roman soldier, a Gentile Roman soldier. But he feared God. And we can say, 
unequivocally that Cornelius would have been considered a disciple living the priorities of Jesus Christ because he followed the call of God immediately. But I want to point out something here, church. When Jesus interacts with faithful soldiers, Roman soldiers, does Jesus say to them, come and follow me physically? No. Cornelius went back to being a centurion. The Roman soldiers whose servant was healed went back to being a Roman soldier in charge of many men. But yet they were still disciples of the one called Jesus. They weren't asked to give up their living. They weren't asked to give up being soldiers for Rome. They were just asked to prioritize the will of God above anything else in their life. But when they persisted in asking him, well, let me just give you a little context of this one. I'm I'm trying to make a point that the call of God, the call of Jesus, for some during his life was a physical call. Come with me. Follow me. Give up everything you own. Son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. Follow me. Walk with me. To others it was support my ministry. Be my disciple by supporting my ministry, by going ahead of me, by preparing my way in, seven, in the cities. To others, it was where you're at, centurion. Be my disciple. Serve my purpose. If I send you to go get Peter, go. And Cornelius and many other soldiers followed Jesus. But when they persisted in asking him, Jesus, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone. And the woman, where she was, in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. Did Jesus say to the woman caught in sin who was about to be stoned, did he say, come with me and follow me, walk down the road with me? Did he say, be one of the 12? No. Did he say, be one of the 70? No. Did he say, be one of the 500? No. He said, go. And wherever you go, in whatever sphere of influence you find yourself, Sin no more. Be my disciple. Follow me. How can I be a disciple then? Well, as I said, you can't walk out this door and find Jesus physically in Dover and go follow him, can you? You're probably not going to be one of the 70 who go and prepare his way in the cities of America because he's not walking physically here anymore. So how can I... Me, you, how can we be disciples in the 21st century? And John, I think, John the Baptist answers this question very succinctly, very clearly. John began saying to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to up children to Abraham. 
Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds were questioning him, saying, Then what shall we do? If the axe is at the root of the trees that don't bear fruit, John, tell us, what should we do? And he would answer and say to them, the man who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. If you want to be a disciple in the kingdom of heaven that's rapidly approaching, give to the poor, help the needy, help the hungry, share with those who don't have clothing, visit the orphans, visit the widows, love, love, love. And some tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they said to him, teach, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what you are ordered to collect. Don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie, don't oppress, don't abuse, don't take advantage of people. Be Jesus, be Jesus. You want to be a disciple of the kingdom that's coming? Be Jesus here in your sphere of influence, in your life. Be an honest, loving person. And he said to them, collect no more than you have been ordered to. Some soldiers were questioning him, saying, and what about us? We're soldiers. We, we work for Rome. What shall we do? And he said to them, do not take money from anyone by force or accuse anyone falsely and be content with your wages. Don't hurt people for your good. Don't steal their money so that you can have more and leave them in want. Don't use power over the weak. How can I be a disciple? Where I am, I can live out the Beatitudes. I can live out the life of Jesus Christ. I can love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, and soul, and my neighbor as myself, because that is the greatest command that the rich young ruler struggled with and that we struggle with. If I have two tunics, I should give to a brother or sister who doesn't have one. So can you be a disciple of Jesus today? Yes. Are you called to be a disciple of Jesus? Yes. Yes, you are. You absolutely are called. Whether you think there's a distinction between a believer and a disciple, I really can't answer that question for you. But I can tell you a believer is called to follow Jesus Christ and to imitate him without question. There is no theological debate about that. Are you called to be a disciple? Yes. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He must take up his own cross on a daily basis, Jesus says elsewhere, and follow me. Now, church, I have the fortune of, uh, good fortune of doing counseling throughout the years of my ministry, having done counseling. And especially when I do marriage counseling, church, I, I tell young marrieds that one of the secrets to a happy marriage is to take up your cross every day. Take it up every day. What does that mean? 
What does it mean to the disciple in today's world is supposed to take up their cross? It means, church, that just as Jesus Christ took up his cross and died to self for others, we must take up our cross as his disciples daily and die to ourself and love others more than ourselves. When you get out of bed every day, the first thing you do is not put on your pants or your undergarments. The first thing you put on is the cross of Jesus Christ. You take it up and say, today, I am a disciple. I am a servant. And who am I supposed to serve? Oh, it's not just me getting in prayer to the Lord and I do my devotions and then I go treat everybody else like they're worthless for the rest of the day. No, I go to the Lord and then I love others. I go to the Lord and I love others. Because taking up my cross means if I'm hit on the left cheek by somebody, what do I do, church? I turn to them my right. If somebody says something nasty to me that hurts my feelings, I forgive them. I don't not talk to them for 30 years. I know. It's crazy. But that is how we are disciples where we are. We take up our cross every single day. And it's not a burden. Being a disciple of the Lord, for the rich young ruler, it was a burden because he was wealthy. But Jesus was trying to tell him that he wasn't good enough to get to heaven on his own. That was what Jesus was trying to tell the rich young ruler. Hey, the rich young ruler said, I've fulfilled all the commandments. And then Jesus pointed out to him, you have not fulfilled the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. You have not fulfilled that when you put all your trust and love in your money. In order to have eternal life, you must put your trust in God. There are no good works you can do, rich young ruler, to get to heaven. And once you realize that and you come to me for salvation and you find salvation in me, alone, then you will have the power to be my disciple. But it's not a burden. But John, taking up your cross, that sounds burdensome. What about the thorns? What about the wooden little pieces of wood that will jam me as I take up my cross? What about the hurt? Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. But this we know, that we love the children of God, and we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Why isn't taking up our cross burdensome church? We can't find our answer in the rich young ruler. He thought he could attain heaven by doing good deed after good deed after good deed after good deed. And Jesus made him realize you cannot do enough good deeds to attain heaven. The law is burdensome. The law is horrible. The law is something, young ruler, that you cannot fulfill. But I have come to show you a better way. I have come to take up my cross for you so that by faith you can overcome sin and death and this world. What's easier, following 600 some odd commandments or just loving somebody who loves you more than you can ever imagine? Is that burdensome? 
Is it burdensome to walk in Christ? Is it burdensome to, by faith, walk in the presence of a sovereign God who loves you more than you could ever imagine? Is that burdensome, or is it more burdensome to try to fill law after law after law after law, knowing that you can't do it, and knowing that there's only failure and death and sin in that? It's not a burden because his yoke is easy. His burden is light because he has carried it already. And he just asked us to walk in his footsteps and says, follow me, love me, be my disciple, and love each other wherever you are, wherever you're at. What are a disciple's personal characteristics? And there are many. I just picked a few, church. But because a disciple is fixed on Jesus and salvation through our Lord, And because a disciple is covered in his love and his grace and his goodness, and because a disciple has an eternal perspective knowing that rewards in heaven and communion with our God await, a disciple behaves certain ways in this world. A disciple is patient, kind, and gentle. Patient, kind, and gentle. Is that you? Are you a disciple? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you gentle? Are you warm? Are you loving? Are you overflowing with joy? Are you here for others or are you here for you? Do you smile ever? Come on, let me see. Are you happy to be a servant of Christ? Does it bring you joy? Well, if you're a disciple, you'll know joy. You'll know joy. A disciple lives a life that's submitted to God's will. And we'll get to that. The priority of the disciple is God's will. The priority of the disciple is the priority of the one whom they follow. And I ask you that, church, I was going to ask you at the end, I'm going to ask you now. If you were to list the priorities that currently you are striving for in your life, where does the priorities of your king fall? Where do the priorities of the kingdom of heaven fall in regards to what you are striving for on a daily basis? Where are your priorities? We are not perfect. We never will be. We are sinners who have been saved and who have made victorious over sin, but we still sin. We still fall short. But what are our priorities as new creatures, as those who are in Christ? A disciple lives a sacrificial life on behalf of others. When's the last time, church, that I, you can't answer this, only I can, sacrificed something I wanted for somebody else? Truly sacrificed. Not I had the $1,000 and I gave somebody 10. That's not a sacrifice. But when's the last time I sacrificed my time that was inconvenient for somebody else? I don't have time for that because my priorities are X, Y, and Z, not Jesus. Oh, if you just looked at what you did with your time, let me not accuse you. If I just looked at what I did with my time versus what I do for Jesus, I know where my priorities are. And they're probably not where they should be. Not talking about perfection. Never accuse me of saying Christians need to be perfect. We never will be until we get to glory. But we need to prioritize righteousness. A disciple works diligently and prioritizes their pursuits. Are you working diligently to reorganize your life for the kingdom of God? 
Are you working diligently? Because you know in your heart that you're not prioritizing the kingdom of God. We all know it in our hearts. We look at ourselves and we say, there are many priorities for the kingdom of God, for Jesus Christ, for my fellow man that I am letting slip by because I have so many other priorities. And church, that is why so many Christians are sad and hurting and saying, where is the happiness and joy that comes from faith in Jesus Christ? Sometimes I wonder if we are the most miserable of people. But we should not be. We should not be. You have been saved. You will be glorified. You have overcome through the blood of Jesus Christ, sin and death. You should be the most joyful of people. You actually have a message that's true. You have the good news. Let's consider it good news. Church, what is the disciples' priority? But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I know I've been preaching here for a little while now, and you've probably heard me many times say that this is a priority for kingdom believers. Jesus left and said, I'm leaving you with this command. Go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and make believers and leave them on their own. Jesus said, go and make disciples. What's the difference between going and making believers and going and making disciples, church? Is there a difference between a believer and a disciple? Well, for those of you who might have said no, do you ever just leave believers alone and not disciple them? Does the church have a habit of doing that? Sometimes we do. We'll bring people to the Lord, and then there'll be no methodology for bringing them on as disciples and training them up in the way they should go. But for Jesus, the priority was to make disciples of all the nations, not just to spread the gospel, but to put the time in to make disciples, a very important truth. So I ask you, church, this morning, are you a disciple or are you just a believer? Is there a difference between the two? I will let you answer that question. I don't have the answer that will satisfy you. But if you are a believer, are you a disciple? And if you are a disciple, have you prioritized the things of heaven over the things of earth? Have you? Have you? Is God more important to you than anything else? Are people more important to you and meeting their needs in a caring, loving way more important to you than satisfying your own needs? Do you take up your cross on a daily basis? And I know sometimes my cross slips to the ground. I know, I know. Sometimes I pick it up and it slides right off my shoulder. I'm there with you. Sometimes that happens. But am I smart enough to reach down and pick it up again and say that? should lay on my shoulder all day long as a reminder that he died for me and therefore I will live for him. I say all this, church, because I wanted to let you know something. As a church, we feel that we've somewhat let folks down 
in the realm of discipleship. Though it's going on at this church, there are pockets of people discipling people, and we are pleased that that is happening. We love it. But Pastor Rossetti, as our senior pastor, was convicted that we need a discipleship program here at this church. Well, we're developing one. We just had three young dodgeball players saved at a camp. Greg just informed us of that. Where do they get plugged into? Do we have just one person who does all that? Well, we're starting something called the Vine Project here at the church. The Vine Project is a dedicated discipleship project. It will begin in September and it will go through April or May, depending on how long it takes to get through materials. We have seven people who will be disciple makers. They are being trained as we speak during Sunday school to use certain material, and they will be assigned people who want to be discipled. So who are we looking for? Our first priority will be people who come to the Lord and need to be discipled. If you're a new believer, you need to be discipled. We're going to pair you up with a disciple maker because we want to fulfill the Great Commission. We want our priorities to be right. But we won't want to stop there. If you have been a Christian for five years or six years, don't put a number on it, and you have never been discipled by anybody, and you're still floundering, and you're being blown about by every wind of doctrine, you can plug in there too. So that is our goal. Now, hey, we chose a few people to start this project with because you can't start a project with, a, with too many people. But our hope is, and I know Pastor Rossetti just shared this with his team recently, that all of you will one day be involved in this project, either being a disciple maker or being discipled. So if you have not been tapped on the shoulder this time around, eventually you will be tapped if you qualify to be a disciple, if you prioritize the kingdom of God above all else. So for the next several weeks after the service, not this service, I will be out there standing there with a little clipboard. If you are a new believer and you want to be part of the Vine Project to be discipled, I will take your name and I will follow up with you and I will have a little fact sheet about what we'd like to do. Because church, we need to be about the business of doing God's work here on earth. And if we see that we've fallen short, we need to pick up that cross and do what we need to do. So I leave you with this church. Are you a disciple? Is there a difference between a believer and a disciple? If Jesus were to walk through those doors this morning, would he be able to identify you as one who prioritizes his kingdom above your own? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you that you have saved us. Lord, I thank you that you give us the privilege of bearing fruit. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us an example of how to live. All we need to do is gaze upon the cross and know that sacrificial living produces the fruit in our lives that you want us to produce. There's no other way to give up self for you to give up self for others is what this life is all about. Lord, teach us to follow your ways, to prioritize our lives, and to be worshipers and disciples of you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Your blessing this morning, church, is go and be the disciples that you know that the Lord wants you to be. Amen? Amen. Amen.